This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. ESCOM is buckling under pressure as aging infrastructure, electricity that according to the power utility is too cheap, coal supply issues and sabotage puts the squeeze on ESCOM's bottom line. It's a perfect storm in which the public pay the ultimate price in the form of endless load shedding. Masake Ghana looks at how ordinary citizens are taking it upon themselves to protect vital power lines. It's early evening on a farm in Balmoral, east of Pretoria. Marty Humphreys and her husband live here with their two children, although he spends most of his time working abroad. In this isolated rural area, thoughts turn to safety when the sun sets. So now all your doors are locked, Marty, but are you ever really safe on a farm? I don't think you're ever really safe. For Marty and her neighbors, crime hasn't always been a problem in this area. It used to be very quiet, yeah, so we didn't have worries about people walking around or stuff happening at night. But lately, it's not like that anymore. Since February, they've been living on a nice edge. When night falls, cable theft syndicates targeting two major power lines are on the prowl. The criminals scout during the day. They return at night, cutting through fences to get onto private property. The intruders are armed and dangerous. The landowners trying to protect the transmission lines running through their properties tell us there have been several shootouts. We've never had any trouble with these lines. And all of a sudden, they've just been chopping it up every week, every night. When we meet her and her boys, Marty's husband has just returned from another stint abroad. But for the past two years, it's just been the three of them. We're there at night when Marty is at her most anxious. The next day, she shows us where the syndicate has been operating over the past eight months. The pylons, those towers that you can see on your yeah. right-hand side, they're still on my property. Uh, the next one is the neighbors. The pylons are the large steel structures carrying the cables. They're spaced around 250 meters apart. So the cables in the middle, there was a set of those cables running on this side of the pylon, and there was a set that's running on that side oh of the Oh my pylon. word. So it's only the center cables that's left. Overhead power lines are ESCOM's electricity highways. Once they reach cities, they split into smaller lines just like a network of roads connecting to freeways. The Vulcan Minerva line runs parallel to the Duva Apollo line for around 80 kilometers from the greater Imalaseni area to Gauteng. While both these lines are targeted, Vulcan Minerva runs through Marti's property. Do you know how much is left of it now? Of the 80 kilometers, I'll guess 10 is left. This is my child's play stuff. They must know that it's off though. Yes, this was switched off in February for maintenance and then somehow it got leaked that the whole line is off. 
Vulcan Minerva is a 400 kV power line. That means it can transmit up to 400,000 volts of live electricity. Now, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be able to touch or even step on an extremely high voltage cable like this. But here we find ourselves. Switched on, it would be impossible to come within 12 meters of a power line of this size. But when it's switched off, as it is now, cable theft syndicates have a field day, stripping the lines and cutting them into pieces. Thereafter, the aluminium that transmits our electricity. They work in big groups, so it's basically 10, 15 minutes, they cut it into pieces. Vian Lamprecht lives a couple of kilometers from Marti. Two weeks before our visit, he heard a line falling from the pylon close to his farmhouse. He tried to track the criminals, but they got away, leaving part of their loot behind. Is this the crime scene? Yeah, this is where the, uh, we found the, the cables. It's basically on our back door. They cut it with the equipment, and then they, they take this aluminium pieces off. And then you'll see oh, right... Oh, that's how they do it. You're, you'll see right in the middle, is a small piece, a steel cable. So the steel cable holds the lines. So they take off all the aluminium and they just leave the steel cable. When they steal the cables and we catch them, then they stay away for about a week and then repeat the process. So you haven't stopped it. They know there are more cables to steal, so they'll come back. Since February, landowners like Marti and Vien have been risking their lives trying to catch the cutters. The community gives us a demonstration of how they've organized themselves into a security watch, connected to each other by a radio system. When someone is lurking in the dark, the farm watch receives an alert. Moving quickly to an agreed location, they strategize, split into groups, and begin their search. The stash left behind by the criminals Vian chased from his farm weighing close to a ton, would fetch around 25,000 rand on the black market. Dozens of piles like this are often stolen in one go. But it's the tools found on the scene that raise arguably the most serious question. We got this, um, we got the equipment that they use. I yeah, because wanna, it can't be easy to wish, chop that up. Oh. So these are, these are basically um, equipment that you can buy in a local store, but these equipment, that was, very interesting, because this is basically ESCOM equipment. I have seen that before. Yeah. In March, Vian and the Farm Watch successfully trapped a group of 13 suspects who were then arrested by the police. They were carrying similar tools. From their passports, we could see that all of them were Mozambican people. They just told us that they were instructed to take this package to Johannesburg. Landowners are convinced that ESCOM employees are part of the syndicate responsible for training the cutters. After the March arrests, ESCOM deployed security to protect the lines. A single security vehicle is tasked with manning this massive power line. It's almost like it's a losing battle, this. ESCOM did get security guards in, a whole lot of patrol buckies to patrol the area. They were here for about a month and then we didn't see them again. I found out that the contract has been cut down 
to only three vehicles in this whole area, patrolling an 80-kilometer line. Marti complained to ESCOM about the lack of security, but says nothing came of it. The landowners claim they are fighting a lone battle, but ESCOM disagrees. We are certainly aware of the activity um, in that particular area, and we are driving intelligence-led investigations there. It's an uphill battle for ESCOM's group head of security, Karen Pillay, tasked with strategizing on how to protect the utilities more than 400,000 kilometers of overhead lines. It's a matter of national interest at this point in time because it literally impacts um, a large scale of infrastructure across the country. When Vian found this dash of cables on his farm, he immediately alerted ESCOM, but no one responded. Landowners claim ESCOM is turning a blind eye to the situation. Pelé, though, says the utilities plan is working. In the past three months, we've actually seen at least a 40% reduction of incidents on that line. So it can tell you that the interventions we're driving are actually paying off. And Pillay's adamant there's sufficient security on the Vulcan Minerva line. Security has not been withdrawn on that line. But it was um, drastically withdrawn. I would not necessarily say that because essentially um, on the 4th of July, we actually increased some of our security measures on that line, including the manpower that we were deploying in that area. We only saw two patrol vehicles during our visit. Crucially, ESCOM doesn't deny that its employees may be involved. We have been looking at the insider threat. We don't discount the potential of that threat. Lots of information around ESCOM activities is actually public information, and especially around the transparency we maintain on the um, state of the system in particular. A day after our visit to Balmoral, the criminals were back. And three days after that, again, near the pylons that still had something left to steal, farmland was torched. Farmers fought the flames throughout the night. And the next day, it was set alight again. For Marti, it's a nightmare she just wants to end. Now we're hoping that they will take the whole line and move on to something else. We're not dragging our feet about this. This infrastructure is critical. Critical to ESCOM and critical to the country. After our visit to Megawatt Park, Eskom finally fetched the cables from VM's farm and Pillay agreed that closer cooperation was needed with the landowners in the area. An urgent meeting was called, but Eskom middle management was unavailable again. Even if Eskom solves this generation problem, how are they going to adequately supply electricity if cable theft continues to flourish as it is here? If a power line has zero transmission, its load is carried by an alternative line. But if the theft continues, more lines will inevitably drop, causing blackouts that can't be fixed overnight. ESCOM is buckling under pressure as aging infrastructure, electricity that according to the power utility is too cheap, coal supply issues and sabotage puts the squeeze on Eskom's bottom line. It's a perfect storm in which the public pay the ultimate price in the form of endless load shedding. Remember, you can now access carte blanche stories anytime, anywhere, even offline. Carte Blanche, the podcast, is now available on all major podcast platforms. So be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button and be part of our growing online family.